0: Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the CEO of My Pillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and My Pillow, but millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all of your support. At My Pillow, we not only have pillows, but we have hundreds of products, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We're offering the best gifts ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have this exclusive offer on the standard size my pillows, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. We also have the Queen Size My Pillows, regularly $79.98, now only $24.98 with your promo code. And we have the King Size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with your promo code.
1: Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code RENEGADE or call 800-889-6817 to receive this exclusive offer.
2: Grateful for you being out there tuned into us, spending your holiday with us, or maybe you're listening later on podcast, and that's fine too. But we certainly appreciate people out there listening live. Uh, all of you guys. So if you want to join the show, the number here is 603 283 6160. As always, you can take control of the airwaves, you can bring up Whatever is on your mind that's 603-283-6160 with you tonight.
1: It's Ian and Arya, and yeah, happy what is smallpox day to everyone out there. That's what I've taken to calling it. Right? Happy
2: what is smallpox day?
1: Yeah, like what is smallpox? You know, because that's what you know killed some that many was, what was killing people back yeah, in
2: the day. Okay,
1: yeah, okay, good point. Uh, we don't really see smallpox too often these days, though. I think it's been reduced down to like just two specimen of the virus being stored in a lab in like iceland or something hasn't it i don't know i did see some story
2: that uh, my doctor pointed out that apparently somebody found some in like a refrigerator at some scientific lab in the united states wow labeled as smallpox like back in like at the back of a freezer or something probably like a good that. place for it so, uh, if you want to join us, you can. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. 603-283-6160. We can talk about a lot of stuff here tonight, including uh, the latest out of Venezuela and Cuba, uh, plus something a little more local to home with the crazy looting going on out in San Francisco. Topic we haven't discussed yet here on Free Talk Live, and it is, like, nutso. What's been happening out there?
1: It is crazy. If I understand it correctly, it's like just a flash mob of like 50 yeah. to 80 people wearing, I guess, ski masks or something, right. carrying hammers and stuff. They just run into a store, grab as much stuff as they can, and get out.
2: Yep. And then they do it again. It's happened multiple times. We can talk about that. Of course, you can bring up again whatever's on your mind. But since it is Turkey Day, uh, Aria, you have a story about some of these Thanksgiving shortages, and we've kind of touched on it briefly over the last couple of weeks with, uh, I mentioned going to the grocery store, one of the stores, Aldi, here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we do the show, and them having been completely sold out of turkeys one week. Now, they did subsequently get some more in, but it was unusual to see two entire freezers, like large size freezers that had been completely full the week prior sold completely out i can't say i've ever seen that happening and this was like two or three weeks before thanksgiving so it wasn't a last minute rush it was just people buying and them completely
1: running out well out of all of the times you would expect grocery stores to carry turkeys the month of november would be high up there of course but they have been difficult to find more in the month of november Uh, My family always has a turkey when they do their Thanksgiving thing. They did not this year. Wow. I don't know if it was just because they were too expensive or because they didn't Mm. want to bother or because they couldn't find one. I just know that they didn't have one for the first time as far as I can remember. And there are higher prices for groceries, record gas costs. Are they at a record high? They seem to
2: be. I mean, if they're not a record here, they have hit record highs elsewhere. mm -hmm. I know California did have a record high and it was like over $5 a gallon.
1: I seem to recall them hitting like $4 per gallon at one point, but I
2: don't remember seeing that personally. I know that during Trump it had gone downward generally. I I feel like I didn't see 4, but I feel like I did see like 3.89 or something like that at some point in the past. I don't think it's gotten to 3.89 in the recent days out here. But that's just my my memory, which could certainly be flawed. On that. I mean, they're
1: definitely high yeah. either way. An ongoing pandemic that has meant reduced work hours for some and an inability to work for others. For many people, this year Thanksgiving dinner will be harder to put on the table. Distribution by the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank has doubled since 2019. Mm. The organization estimates one in four people in Los Angeles County experiences what they call food insecurity.
3: Right. Yeah. This they don't is really define what
1: that. Is. Yeah. Yeah. The average cost nationwide of meat, poultry, fish, and eggs is up 11.9% over the last year. I think food... We've talked about food
2: so-called insecurity before, and if I'm recalling correctly, it's like, you don't really know where your next meal's going to come from, that kind of thing. I mean,
1: that's pretty vague, like... I was calling around trying to find a a Chinese restaurant that was open today because, as I understood it, Chinese restaurants are always open on Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving and Christmas. None of them here in Keene are open. In fact, I honestly think the only restaurant today that is open is the Indian Place. Mm. So, I mean, from that point of view, you could say I was experiencing food insecurity. Where's my next... Where's it going to come from? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was food I could have eaten if I really wanted to there at the house. I don't know if you would really call that food insecurity, but... There was a brief little panic where I was like, "Holy crap! There's no one open. I'm going to have to eat something. I'm going to have to finally clean out the freezer." And food yeah. or something. <laughs> uh, according to
2: HealthyPeople.gov, so the government's own definition here. Uh, oh well, the government knows all about healthy people. Food security or insecurity is defined as the disruption of food intake or eating patterns because of lack of money and other resources. So there you go. Now you know.
1: Luckily, the average cost of dairy products is only up 1.8%, but again, uh, meat, poultry, fish, and eggs, 11.9% over the last year. That's a substantial increase in prices. Aren't there subsidies involved in dairy as well? I'm I'm sure there are. I think there are. Well, I'm sure there's subsidies involved in all of this. There probably are, yeah. Add to that the cost of living in L.A. County, which has some of the highest housing prices in the country, according to the advocacy organization, United Ways of California, a family of four, in the county with two adults, a preschooler, and a school-age child would need to make at least $95,000 a year to meet their basic needs. Hmm. For many, there's a tighter limited budget already for food. People are seeing their money doesn't go as far at the grocery store, so some are skipping on things they would usually buy. Everything is sky high, said one resident after he picked up my box of staples, green beans, some fruit, cream of wheat, beef stew. I barely make enough to get by. And this is a guy going to
2: the food pantry to pick up a box. Yes, yeah, okay. that's correct. Yeah.
1: When the weekly food pantry at the Community Resource Center first opened in June, about 50 people came by. By September, there were about 100 each week.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: On Tuesday, people started lining up outside the center an hour before food distribution began. Mm. Food banks across the state have reported sustained higher demand, in some cases two to three times what it was before the pandemic. Not only is there an acute need still from the pandemic, well, I don't think the pandemic really caused any of it, but whatever, but it's going to last a long time, said Andrew Shane, director of government, government affairs at the California Association of Food Banks. Sounds like <laughs> That's an a impo- guy that asks for grants. Sounds like an important job. Mm. We know from the great recession that it took a full decade for food insecurity to come back to pre-2008 levels. <laughs> wow. The Times visited some community centers and food banks around the L.A. area ahead of Thanksgiving. This turkey is really helping us. The meat has gone up. The milk has gone up. Most of the central things we eat have gone up very high, said one resident. Apparently, they were at least giving out turkeys at this food bank. Mm -hmm. That's surprising. Two families will be sharing the turkey that Peggy Scott picked up at a Thanksgiving giveaway in Watts, her family of four, and the neighbor's family.
2: That's sweet. Wow. Are they going to be allowed to actually eat together? In Los Angeles.
1: oh that's a good question. No, they'll, they'll have to cut the turkey in half and send it each to their. <laughs> good luck. Eight eight thirty Tuesday. A long line of people sat in folding chairs along the sidewalk as a large truck laden with food boxes backed up in front of the neighborhood pickup site. Distribution at the giveaway was due to start at nine a.m. The first person in line had arrived at six in the morning. Mm. Alice Harris, who's eighty-seven. Has led a turkey giveaway in the neighborhood every Thanksgiving for 57 years. The need is wow. most of the people are not now working," said Harris. Well, she's right about that. I wonder why that is. Still,
2: are they all on welfare? We've never really have figured this out, have we? Like, what's the I reason? still don't
1: know, man. It's yeah. it's so peculiar to me because mm-hmm. there are still jobs out there, and people don't seem to be applying for them. They don't seem to be hiring for. Them. I mean, well, everyone's hiring, yeah, but the employees don't seem to be just appearing so what are people doing for money where is everyone it's the great mystery of 2021 as far as i can tell yeah
2: it's very strange and if you want to weigh in and you know let us know what you think the number here is 603-283-6160 have you encountered this food insecurity are you having a difficult time you know going to the grocery store and being able to afford the things that you previously had easily afforded is it getting more difficult uh, on you now and I've noticed that uh, Bonnie and I, when we go to the grocery store, because again, the, the government lets me out of my cage uh, once in a while to go and, you know, get some supplies. And so we like to guess at what the the price of the total, you know, is going to be like a little contest, right? Like who, who's the closest to it? And I've noticed that I'm, I'm like underballing it every single time. It's, it's almost always higher than I think that it's going to be. And so I'm you know misjudging what the uh, the totals are.
1: I believe it there's a shortage of cat
2: food as well. That's not good. Six oh three-283-6160. You wanna weigh in and share your experience with shortages or whatever's on your mind, you can join us. If you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. By the way, Happy Thanksgiving. We are here live on this Thanksgiving Day edition. It's Ian and Aria in the studio tonight. And I do want to let you know about Bitcoin.com. If you're ready to start learning about cryptocurrency, and if you're concerned about inflation out there, and you should be, we're talking about the prices of things going up uh, which, of course, is a symptom of inflation. Inflation, remember, is the increase in the supply of money. And that's what the government's been doing over, well, forever, just cranking out more and more money into the supply. And they've uh, been cranking it at a, a much higher level over the last roughly 20 months or so. So if you're concerned about that, maybe you should be looking into alternatives like Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. And you can go to Bitcoin.com to learn the basics about Cryptocurrency. In fact, if you hit get started at the top of the page, you will find some introductory videos there. If you're time limited, you only have time for one video. Just watch the first one. It's like three minutes long and you'll get down some of the most basic aspects of what makes cryptocurrency unique and special and evolutionary and really, you know, something you ought to know about. Something that's going to be with us likely for generations, if not longer. Get over to Bitcoin.com to get started uh, down that road. And, of course, if you got time to watch more than one video, you probably should watch more than one because this is an important topic. Also, they've got a news uh, section over there at news.bitcoin.com, which has the latest uh, crypto headlines every single day, updated over at news.bitcoin.com. Ian and Aria here. Aria,
1: you're sharing with us a story uh, from – where? where was the story again? Uh, Yahoo News, but they're mirroring it from somewhere else, and I'm not exactly sure where. And it's about the uh,
2: Thanksgiving difficulties that some people are having this year. Like, you know, if the simple version of it is you might not have found a turkey when you were looking to buy one. Or maybe, it would depend on when you went to the grocery store, for yeah. sure. Or maybe you found that it was... A little more expensive than you were expecting it to be, and you know you. What's a turkey not cost?
1: To. I've never bought one.
2: Uh, it's usually measured by the pound. So, okay. uh, I think I saw it for like forty nine cents a pound at uh, at Aldi, which was is I believe cheap. Uh, for turkey but again i'm the same way as you aria i somebody else (laughs) handles the turkey i usually like if if i'm not with a uh, a lady and thankfully bonnie was uh you know we were together for this one so she cooked up some delicious dishes that we took to a a group dinner that my federal handlers allowed me to go to because you chose not to (laughs) thank you for that i appreciate it yeah absolutely Um, well
1: like i said then it's a lot easier for me to find something something else to else
2: to do right um, but, uh, you know, usually I'll just go and buy a pumpkin pie or something and bring right. some alcohol. Like a
1: Walmart pumpkin pie. Yeah. I'll yeah, get a pumpkin pie, bring some
2: alcohol. And okay. I'm that's my contribution.
1: Yeah. That, that was actually going to be mine when I was going in. She's like, well, just yeah. bring some wine. I was like, thank God, because no you know, I'm not cooking anything. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and if I do, it's not going to be good. So let's just skip all of that and say, you bring the alcohol. Yeah. Got it. In this case, Bonnie
2: made a pumpkin pie and nice. uh, some vegetarian, uh, shepherd's pie, which is also very good. Okay. So yeah. Let's talk more about this story.
1: It gets really sad if you think about what they're actually saying. I mean, they're talking mostly about older people like 80 something, 83, 85, 87 mm-hmm. year olds. This is this one here. This is Los Angeles, right? Yes. Okay. Is a 52-year-old named Anna on seeing a box of breakfast porridge in her food box, she said, "It looks like a little box, but you get a lot." Mm. She was very happy about receiving it, saying Anna was thrilled to see the porridge, which she said has gotten expensive. Think about that porridge. What the hell is that anyway? <laughs> I don't
2: know. Like, I, I've only ever heard of porridge in like books about like, you know, the three bears or whatever. Yeah, uh, okay. Three bears or, you know, the Christmas carol where they can't. It's like what poor people eat, right? Isn't that's that what, what I thought, is?
1: right? I, I don't think that's why it's called porridge, <laughs> but it's not like steak and steak, right? I mean, it's like oatmeal, I sort of assumed. Well, oatmeal, wouldn't you just call that oatmeal? Okay, here it is. A porridge, a food commonly
2: eaten as a breakfast cereal dish, made by heating, boil, or boiling, ground crushed, or chopped starchy plants, typically grain in milk. It's often cooked or served with added flavorings such as sugar, honey, fruit, or syrup to make a sweet cereal, or can be mixed with spices, meat, or vegetables to make a savory dish. I mean, I have oatmeal almost every single day, but I've never called it porridge like that's just a regular like, breakfast like, thing for me but
1: it sounds like oatmeal would be a type or porridge is a type of oatmeal or a cereal that you make
2: yourself it says here oat porridge or oatmeal is one of the most ty- common types of porridge okay so i guess oatmeal is porridge okay, that's that's new, so we to knew me. so we knew all
1: along what porridge was.
2: I have never seen it though advertised as that. like I've never well, seen a box no. of porridge on the the shelves.
1: If I saw a box of <laughs> porridge versus a box of oatmeal, even not knowing the difference between right. the two, I would buy the box of oatmeal. oatmeal. Maybe yeah. it's a regional thing, right? Could be it's hard to go to the market. It's twenty dollars in the door, and you hardly get anything. It's been getting hard to purchase. Rosario Marino, whose name I almost pronounced Monero. What does that mean, $20 in the door?
2: Meaning she's got to pay for like a, t- a taxi to get there, I'm guessing?
1: I don't know. It's not very clear. It's, okay. It sounds like it's just an expression thing. Like, it's more money, I guess.
2: Weird. Because she sounds would have like always had to pay. Charge.
1: It does sound like there's a cover charge, but <laughs> I really hope that's not what she meant. But it is California, man. Los Angeles County, too. Anything's possible. Right? Yeah, It'll keep the riffraff out. Rosario Marino can't afford to buy as much as she used to at the grocery store because most food staples have gotten more expensive. Hmm. She complains about it. We've already hashed that, though. Augustine Alejo, who plans to use some of the food from his box to cook for homeless people in his neighborhood. That's awesome of him. Hmm. Holding a package of noodles. As long as he doesn't get arrested for it. because Some cities will arrest you for that. Like we said, it is Los Angeles Mm -hmm. County. He got a package of noodles, uh, ramen noodles, it looks like, from the food box he received, and he plans to give some of the food from the box he received to homeless people in his neighborhood. He's also struggling to pay high rent. Wow, did they
2: say that twice in the same paragraph?
1: Yeah, the article, like, I'm having to filter it as I read it, because Uh they will just start a sentence and then not finish it. And I have to jump down to where they restarted the same sentence and actually finished it. Very sloppy mirroring of this article. Maria Rivera said she limits what she buys at the store these days. The food she picked up at the Wilmington Food Pantry will supplement her regular grocery shopping. Because, again, everything's high right now. It goes on. It's just got a bunch more examples here of people talking yeah. about how much more expensive everything has gotten. Yeah, it doesn't really point that. out the reasons why. Which is we know the reasons. As Jay Noon called in and talked about last year, you know, people had to slaughter their own farms and just bury them in the backyard because they have non competition agreements with companies like Tyson and stuff like that that mm-hmm. prohibit them from selling the food to other You're talking about
2: about specifically like the... But it's uh, likely true with every animal as well. I mean, he
1: had examples that he had experienced here in New Hampshire and New England that was related to pigs, but I'm sure it's true of turkeys and chickens and all sorts of other farm animals as well. Yeah. It wouldn't just be limited to pigs. And obviously, if you have farmers out there just killing pigs and killing turkeys and tossing them out back and burying them in a giant ditch, you're going to have less in the grocery stores. And it's largely because of non-competitive agreements, not to mention the shipping whatever is whatever caused the shipping chaos that is ongoing out there i can't imagine how much of that is actually food but some percentage of it is
2: there was news this week that uh the u.s government is now going to require i think starting in january or february they're going to require all truckers and actually anybody who is a driver coming across the border to be vaccinated everybody who's a you know quote-unquote essential driver or whatever
1: it's like the lockdowns didn't cripple the nation and the economy hard enough. So now they, they want to do it. everything possible to make that to drive that point home to us. Look what, what the pandemic did to you. The pandemic didn't do it. The government did.
2: Now are the rising prices the reason why dozens of people are robbing places in broad daylight? Light? We'll tell you about it.
0: When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious... Serious Thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bain Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more.
2: Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want here on the live Thanksgiving Day episode of Free Talk Live. Joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian and Arya and also want to let you know about intercoin intercoin we've been telling you that it can help any business and organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token and now intercoin has launched its investor token worldwide and for the first time it's available on both a centralized and a decentralized exchange you can get their centralized uh, version over at ExMarkets.com. that's exmarkets.com sign up with just an email address you can keep your privacy intact and then does it, uh, deposit dozens, dozens of different cryptocurrencies there. You can trade them for Tether on the exchange and then use that Tether to buy ITR, which is the Intercoin Investor Token. You can learn more about the Intercoin vision at intercoin.org and buy or sell ITR on both exmarkets.com, that's exmarkets.com, or Uniswap. And to find their trades on Uniswap, just click on intercoin.org. You'll find the Uniswap link right there on the front page of the site. You might just be advancing the cause of liberty around the world as we continue here we were talking about the shortages the price increases the supply line difficulties and and a few weeks ago on this show we got into a lot of detail about what's going on with the supply line issues in the united states what's causing the backups and there's of course multiple factors one of them is at the ports they just don't have you know the staff to uh, to move the products around but even if they did and now they're open 24 7 apparently because biden
1: had to negotiate that with the unions or whatever apparently apparently yeah, so, you not know, just have one person at the port uh Playing Minecraft on their phone or whatever from 11 at night till 7 in the morning. Good job,
2: right. Biden. Thanks, dude. Yeah. So, like, who knew? Apparently, like, you didn't at these major ports, like the port of Los Angeles, they weren't operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They weren't even open on the weekends. Like, those guys went home at 8 o'clock at night and that's it. So now, supposedly, I don't know if they're actually going 24 hours yet or if that's coming, but that's supposedly what's going to happen. But others would point out, well, that still won't matter. Because if they bring a bunch of people into this port and start moving more of these shipping containers around, it won't matter because there aren't enough trucks to take the containers away from the port. So ultimately, they'll still back up uh, the port, even if they can move as many shipping containers as the trucks can take them because there's like 14 shipping containers waiting for every single truck. Uh, was it a truck
1: up. or a truck driver?
2: Because one of those truck.
1: is probably easier to solve than the other.
2: You right. mean automated driving or automated trucks? I mean,
1: in theory, it would be easier to hire someone than it would be to build a new truck.
2: In theory, it would be easy to hire somebody, but I mean, look around. Apparently,
1: it's harder than we think to to hire people these days. It seems to me that's the mystery that has to be solved, right? It's like, why aren't people working? Because none of these problems existed prior to the pandemic, right? I mean, they did, Mm -hmm. but not all at once. I mean, there were always people looking for jobs. Well, specifically in the trucking industry, we know California is the most restricted place
2: on all of the United States because they made a rule, I don't know what year it was, whether it was Recently or a few years ago that says that your truck has to be within a certain number of years. So it has to be a relatively new vehicle because emission standards or whatever. So there's a bunch of people like, you know, a lot of people in the trucking industry are independent drivers. They don't work for some mega corporation. Right. They bought their own uh, truck. However many years ago, and that's what they use to go and pick and haul different loads for different companies. Well, those guys are SOL when it comes to working in California. They're not allowed to even come into the state. So that's another factor on why those shipping containers are just sitting there in the port. Good job, California. And that's a factor as to why there's like over 100 cargo ships waiting to at least as of a a week or so ago. I heard the
1: number was like 110 or 120. Like it's a record number of waiting cargo ships out there. And each one of those, I don't remember the number of containers each one of those contained, but it was a lot.
2: Yeah, a ton of them. I don't remember either, but we're talking about like back when it was 60. Cargo ships, like when we were first talking about it a couple months ago. Before the problem
1: got way worse, before it never got better.
2: Yeah, when there were like 60 out there, the estimated number of containers was like 500,000 to a million or something like that.
1: Good God. Yeah. So, So that's a lot of goods that are not coming into the United States. Correct. So you've got a situation now where the prices are going up, you know,
2: supply is limited. So prices are going up. And of course, prices are also going up because... The U.S. government is printing more money, and so more dollars chasing the same or shrinking amount of goods means the prices are going to rise. And when prices rise, people start to behave differently. Now, I don't know if the reason why there are literally squads of teenagers who—and we're talking 40 to 50 teenagers who are going into malls and other stores in San Francisco specifically, the Bay Area— it uh, doesn't seem to be happening in any significant fashion outside of this one area. And literally smashing and grabbing and looting entire like department stores and other places... Is it because times are tough is why this is happening, or is it just this is a criminal gang who's figured out that they can overwhelm stores with numbers, and because they're in San Francisco, they know there's almost no one with a gun who's going to stop them? I don't know, man. Those, those are good questions. Or is it all of the above? You know, is that what motivated them to start this was that they were having a difficult time?
1: Well, I mean, how how much is their difficult time going to be improved by robbing, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch or whatever? I don't know. I guess they. I could uh... could see a jewelry store, but then you're going to have a difficult time selling that at pawn shops, I would imagine, at least for the immediate future. Good
2: point. Well, the story here from the Daily Mail says they've been hit by multiple days of brazen looting with a gang of thieves filmed smashing glass cases at a jewelry store and emptying them as staff scream in terror. The latest incident happened at Sam's Jewelers in Southland Mall in Hayward uh, Sunday evening. Was caught on camera. Robbers said to have been a part of a gang of around 20, or sorry, 40 to 50 teens who entered the mall, wielded hammers to smash display cases at Sam's before making off with the goods. Dramatic footage from a nearby store showed shop workers screaming. As the disturbing scene unfolded, also Sunday, another gang of looters snatched garments from upmarket yoga clothing brand Lulamon San Jose store, KPIX reported. And on Saturday, video posted to Twitter, a swarm of robbers was caught on security cameras stealing prescriptions from Wellspring Pharmacy in Oakland at around 7.30 p.m. Pharmacy
1: employees... there's, There's not even a pattern to this. It's like they're just picking places at random.
2: They sped up the footage to show dozens of people running through the store to grab boxes of drugs off the shelves before quickly moving out. It's unclear what drugs were stolen, but staff say customers whose meds were stolen will be able to collect replacements that have been ordered in. Store employees told KTGO's reporter they were overwhelmed and devastated by the brazen theft as they're a small drugstore and they don't have the same resources like Walgreens and CVS. And I'd seen other stories because this isn't new to San Francisco. This has been going on over the last several weeks that I've just spotted here and there. I've spotted stories about it. We just haven't talked about it yet here. There have been uh, other headlines coming from San Francisco that CVS or Walgreens are actually closing stores entirely They're just like, you know what? This just isn't worth it. We've, we've been robbed so many times. We've, we've had so much shrink, right? Like every store sure. in retail, if you ever worked in retail, you know, there's usually like a loss control agent if it's a large enough store and that's their job to keep an eye on the, the floor and they got cameras and they're watching to make sure that people aren't stealing stuff and if somebody tries to steal something, they go out and they, they stop them before they leave the store as they're walking out the door like, oh, hang on, we're calling the police, you know, that kind of thing. But usually you're only dealing with one, you know, low life. It's usually just one guy who's desperate and he's coming in or one woman or whatever coming in, putting stuff down their pants or whatever. Here you literally have a gang of people coming in. There are more people walking into these stores or running into these stores stealing things than they
1: even have employees on duty. Yeah, 40 people just suddenly running into the pharmacy, jumping the counter and grabbing everything they can and throwing it into garbage bags or whatever. There's nothing employees can really do about that. Whatever
2: you could do wouldn't be worth doing, right? Also true. You're just an employee you don't want to put your life on the line for Walgreens no. or whoever the hell it is that you're working for. It's like, okay, good luck. Uh, the number is 603 283 to It's a crazy situation, but why is it only happening in San Francisco? I'm not saying that I, I want it to happen anywhere else. It's horrifying what's going on, but let's look at this whole concept here and a little deeper. And of course your calls and thoughts are welcome. You can weigh in here on free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. We're talking about these massive, I don't know if you want to call them smash and grabs. That has happened where at a jewelry store in the San Francisco area, a bunch of teenagers came in with hammers, smashed the displays while they were open. And just, you know, while the store was open, and then just grabbed jewelry and ran out. And uh, in addition, they've not just been targeting jewelry stores, but they've gone into pharmacy, they've gone into clothing stores, they've gone into a Louis Vuitton. I mean, these are just the most recent iterations of this.
1: Yeah, and I don't support, you know, stealing from stores, obviously. But, I mean, they have found a system that is almost impeccable
2: for doing it. It's unstoppable, given the circumstances. And that's what I want to talk about, is why is this happening in San Francisco? You're not seeing this happen in other places right now. And it clearly is working, so why isn't it being, you know, iterated? Why aren't other people duplicating this elsewhere, other desperate, crazy people? It's probably difficult to organize, I mean, there are desperate people out there, and there certainly are gangs out there, so why is this happening? So, the, the story here at Daily Mail has this, they, they've they got a theory, and so I'm going to share their theory, and we'll talk about it. But if you want to weigh in here, feel free to join us, 603-283-6160, that's 603-283-6160, because obviously times are tough, but that's not what this is about, right? Like this. I mean, is they're
1: stealing Louis Vuitton and stuff like that, yeah. so, Maybe maybe they're trying to sell it in a black market, but that could doesn't be. seem likely. Or on eBay or something like that. It mm, could true. be true.
2: Uh, but uh, but it's, this isn't just about times being tough. This is about circumstances being ripe for these sorts of this kind of behavior. So again, people respond to incentives. They talk about how uh, the men in this case are wearing hoodies. They're smashing cases. They're running off with uh, jewelry. People are screaming and running away from the scene. They say this has become common in the Bay Area since a California state law downgraded the theft of property less than $950 in value from a felony charge to a misdemeanor
1: in 2014. That can't be right. This hasn't been an ongoing problem for the last seven years, and we're just now hearing about they it. They are
2: saying it has become con- This is common in the Bay Area since that happened. Store staff and security tend not to pursue or stop thieves who have taken anything worth less than one thousand dollars. Now, well, you're not supposed to if you're just an employee. Well, if you're security, you can. So, if you're this, and it says security uh, is not even pursuing or stopping uh, thieves, which is hard to believe that they wouldn't even bother attempting to stop them. I mean, if it's still a misdemeanor, it's still a prosecutable offense. Why wouldn't you? To me, this isn't about the law. Now, maybe that is one reason why some of these people are a little more brazen than they would have been otherwise. Maybe these gangs have managed to recruit others by saying, hey, it's no big deal. If you get caught, it's only a misdemeanor. It's, you know, it's not a felony. Socialism, man. They're evil capitalists anyway. So whatever their, you know, excuses are for this, the reality is San Francisco will not allow most people to easily carry a gun. Right. San Francisco is one of those places where if somebody robs a place, the odds that they're going to come up against an armed individual who's willing to defend that place is near to zero versus New Hampshire, which is why you will never see this nonsense here. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's got to be a huge factor. The risks that are involved to the people who are pulling these things off like they must know that San Francisco is a less dangerous place to do this than even some of the Northern California towns where you might be more likely to encounter somebody who's got a concealed carry. I mean, it's hard to get a permit in California, period. But I think you're more likely to come across somebody in, like, Northern California than you are in San Francisco.
1: But the Bay Area? Definitely not likely.
2: Right. Sources say the mall was attacked also on Sunday with two women who work near Sam's Jewelers, Telling Capex the teens ran into another store and left with clothes and shoes. We all saw the other stores closing, she said, where they were panicking. So we were panicking and quickly closed our store and barricaded ourselves. It was very scary, said the other woman who was not named. She described the thieves as people with no morals and no sense for others' safety. I feel helpless. It's disturbing, she said. Police wouldn't. You sing. feel
1: helpless because San Francisco won't
2: allow you to have a gun. Right. They've made you helpless. Now that said, I mean, I I wouldn't want to shoot somebody overtaking. You know. Right. Twenty bucks worth of stuff, or a hundred bucks worth, or even a th- like. I don't want to shoot somebody. Period. Generally, like.
1: But that said, there are plenty of people who are willing to do that. You're not going to be and, scared of someone with a hammer if you have a nine millimeter.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: And you don't
2: necessarily have to shoot them just as long as they know that there are armed people in your store, they're probably never going to target you in the first place. Like these people are probably thinking about where they're going. They're likely not going to go where they might have an armed guard, like a bank or something like that. But you know, your average store doesn't have armed guards out front. Now they might start adding them soon. Like we might start seeing that. Like when I was down in Mexico, for an a few years i remember we went to a taqueria that was just you know just open and open to the public or whatever but there's a man standing out front with a shotgun nice you know that taqueria probably doesn't get robbed very often <laughs> i'm just gonna guess costco
1: had a guy with a shotgun wow at the front of the store that's so, shocking yeah i can't say i blame them though no that's I mean, just if people, the reality. Yeah, if people see that you're armed, you're safer. Even if you never have to actually pull it from its holster, you're just safer.
2: So no arrests have been made, and they show in this story, of course, the Daily Mail always has huge graphics showing... Well, uh, how could
1: they possibly make any arrests? You got They're wearing hoodies, they're, wearing masks. they're pr- probably wearing masks, yeah. wearing gloves. There's 40 or 50 of them. Unless you one falls and breaks his legs and no one carries him off, you're not going to get an arrest when this happens. The uh, charging rates for
2: various different violent crimes have dropped under the latest uh, district attorney there in San Francisco. But let me go on here with the story. So, again, talking about other places, uh, other stores that have been robbed. 80 looters ransacked a Nordstrom store on Saturday night. 80 people injuring at least three employees in a raid that lasted less than a minute. So they're in they grab, and they're out. They're gone before the police they're are even They're going 37 mobilized. minutes before the police yeah. are, get there. During the theft, two workers were punched and kicked. Another was sprayed with pepper spray. All three individuals were treated on the scene. Walnut Creek Police have arrested three people in connection to the incident, and they're facing various charges, including robbery, conspiracy, burglary, possession of stolen property, and a weapons charge. But three of 80 ain't a whole, you know, that's not a real big success rate there. As far as a crackdown is concerned.
1: It's not. Have these three people talked? Have they revealed why they're doing this? Uh, 25 cars blocked the street as the gang of
2: thieves stormed the store, some of them brandishing weapons. Video shows the looters running down the street with bags and boxes, holding presumed stolen goods before entering their getaway vehicles. There was a mob of people, said a man who works at a nearby P.F. Chang's restaurant. The police were flying in, it was like a scene out of a movie. It was insane. He said I had to start locking the front door, the back door. You never know, they could come right in here. It was crazy. All the guests inside were getting concerned. It was a scary scene for a moment.
1: You know, I I get why in that situation he would lock the doors and panic and stuff like that, but when you think about it, a restaurant's probably not going to be targeted by this sort of thing because Correct. they don't really have any product for you to
2: steal. Yeah, and they don't have a bunch of money in the cash register either. So no. Uh, then they talk about the Louis Vuitton store, and you know, it just goes on with this. There's video and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But what I wanted to get to was the closings of the uh, the various stores here, because this has been happening for a while, as it was mentioned earlier in uh, in the story. As of October 31st, San Francisco police have received reports of 810 burglaries since when? Th- since October 31st or attempted burglaries this year in the jurisdiction of just the Mission Police District station. Are you saying 800 810 burglaries? Now that could just include houses, right? Like sure. any burglary. But that's since this since year October 31st of this year. Mm-hmm. So just in this one area. In one area, marking a 13% increase from the same time period last year. So it was
1: still really high last year. High enough that I wouldn't live with some, I wouldn't live somewhere with a crime rate like that.
2: No doubt. And a lot of people have been leaving uh, San Francisco for, for many reasons, but that's one of them. Um, But that's what we're saying. This has been going on. Businesses throughout the city have reduced their hours or closed entirely because of the uptick in property theft, with Walgreens closing 17 of its 70 San Francisco stores, so presumably the ones in the most dangerous parts of San Francisco, due to the constant shoplifting by thieves who waltz past security guards and then sell the items outside of the (laughs) drugstore chain's doors. I'll tell you more about it coming up here in moments. If you've been in San Francisco recently and you want to Tell us what it's like. Feel free to join us here. 603-283-6160. I mean, why anyone would stay in this city? I just don't understand it. It sounds like a conga line of failures, man. It is absolutely awful. Hour number two is on the way. You can uh, join us here on the radio. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. We're back with the second hour of Free Talk Live, live in Turkey Day Edition. Folks are open here if you want to dial in and weigh in on the things we've been discussing, which have included the shortages in various different places uh, on Thanksgiving. Uh, the insane gang looting, that might be a reason for some of the shortages in San Francisco, literally dozens of people, upwards of 80 people in some instances, coming into everything from department stores to high-end clothing stores to Walgreens, CVS, coming in and just stealing stuff and running out, like within a minute, boom, just a flash mob, essentially, of theft And it has resulted in obviously, you know, terrifying uh, circumstances for the employees and other customers that might be shopping at that time, uh, people nearby. People are blaming the government gangs there because the government people are like not even charging people under if they've stolen something that's less than a thousand dollars. They're just not even bothering.
1: It's a plausible theory. I mean, you mentioned a person going into a CVS or something, stealing something, and then going right outside the front door and selling it and selling it right there on their property still. Yeah. It's like blatantly illegal, and the DA is just not going to prosecute it or something.
2: Yeah, I mean, so that may be a factor. It's our, I'm not going to say that's not a factor, but a bigger factor is the fact that these are undefended properties. There's literally no one with a gun around, and those who are around aren't willing to do anything about it. There's literally a photograph in this article. Walgreens has had to close 17 of its 70 San Francisco stores due to constant shoplifting with thieves stealing items in front of security guards and then selling them outside of the drug uh, chain's doors. The photograph is taken from behind one of the security guards. It's a TS4, or maybe it says TSA, which is a terrible name for a security company. Private security. You can see his patch on his uniform. The security guard is standing there with a woman next to him. Both of them have their phones pointing down the aisle. They're in, like, you know, one of the aisles at at Walmart in the health department or whatever. And there's some dude with what looks like, uh, you know, a large bag. The bag's on the floor. Dude's in a black mask appears to be appears to have his bicycle inside the store cuz you don't normally see a bicycle inside a a Walgreens right so they don't normally leave them outside yeah so the the thief has brought his bicycle into the store he's got a huge black duffel bag on the floor loading product into this duffel bag and the the security guys just standing there
1: yeah this This is a major issue. This is just outright lawlessness, right? I can't blame these companies at all for closing these stores. Right. I mean, the police clearly aren't going to do anything about it. The security guards probably learned that lesson. He's probably been told by his employer, nope, just just record it. Just get the video. Yeah. Even though that's not going to do any good because the kid's wearing a mask. Yeah. And
2: and not if the cops won't prosecute, even if you did know uh, who it was.
1: Yeah. Because it's less than $950 worth of stuff or whatever.
2: A Safeway grocery store recently said it was scaling back its round-the-clock service to just 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., so a 24-hour store now cutting back to, you know, not quite daylight hours, but mostly. San Francisco Mayor London Breed has also been condemned over her handling of soaring crime in the city. Uh, And then they get into, you know, political statements from uh, some people. Quote, you really can't run a retail enterprise if you have to board up the windows five weeks before the critical Christmas selling season, said one man, noting that he's thinking of relocating his store. He owns the Gumps on Post Street in Union Square. Quote, the fact that the city can't maintain sufficient order because or that businesses can operate in without fear of being damaged says it leaves him to believe that city officials have no understanding of how an orderly city is necessary for commerce to function. He says we can't operate a business, so we'll evaluate our options to be elsewhere unless this nonsense ends. Well, it's not going
1: to end anytime anytime soon. Not until people in San Francisco can have guns to defend themselves. No,
2: and it's going to get to the point where if you want to actually buy something from CVS or Walgreens, you're going to have to order it online because they're just going to be closed. They're going to be like, look, this isn't worth it. We, or we'll sell you something, you know, like through the grate in the fence, right? Like, you know, those, the, not fence, but those uh, those metal doors that, they, uh, that they'll roll down.
1: It sounds like that's the best thing that could happen for San Francisco's businesses. I mean, if they want to continue doing business in San Francisco, I can't imagine how else they could actually maintain any sort of profit with, when dealing with profit loss like this. I mean, you can't do anything as a business owner if the police won't do anything. that That's what the entire disarming the population thing requires is for the police to be armed, for them to be responsive, for them to be relatively on site so that they can get there and do something about this sort of thing that happens. But the police don't care. The no. mayor doesn't care, and none of them have any idea what the problems really are.
2: Right, and you can't have a free market in running stores and defense because the government regulates all that stuff. So the, the stores aren't free to implement whatever kind of necessary measures of men with guns hanging around or whatever they think would make their customers feel safe and stop these brazen daylight thefts from happening i mean just having a shotgun there at the counter
1: would do the trick no one would even Openly. have to use it just yes. have it sitting there
2: it needs to be open but it'd be better to have a guy standing there carrying it and, and it would be
1: better to have you know them trained into how to use it and stuff like that but even yeah. a prop gun at this point would would probably solve a lot of these problems. But, hey, if, but if, not you're not allowed, if you're not allowed to do that stuff, then your only solution
2: is to just call it quits and say, you know what? We're not here to just give product away. Right. You know, if we can't run our business profitably, we have to close. I mean, is the city and going to
1: cover these product losses? Them, no, they're not. Then you got to get out of that city. Yeah.
2: So let's go to your phone calls here. We've got uh, Christopher Cantwell on the uh, the guest line. He called in from jail. Chris, you're, uh, you're back on Free Talk Live. Good to be with you guys. Hey, uh, hey, yeah, no problem. Uh, we heard the news this week—the trial uh, that you were involved in the civil case uh, there in Charlottesville, Virginia. For our listeners that may not have uh, been listening over the last few weeks, you've been calling in from time to time to kind of give us updates on uh, this situation where there was a very large case brought against you and some of the other uh, right-wing. Whether you want to call them right-wing um, Nazis and or some of them are probably white supremacists or white nationalists, probably a mix of different. White,
4: white nationalists is probably the preferred
2: term for most. Yeah. Of them. Well, they're all different, right? So they probably don't all agree with uh, you know what all what all they they stand for. But uh, you were one of those folks that were sued by this group of people who were the Antifa, basically.
1: The ones who came looking for a fight, got one, and then cried and went to the government when they lost that fight.
2: Correct. And they said that there was a a conspiracy to commit racial violence. But the return verdict from the jury on the first two counts apparently did not agree that there was such a conspiracy because the jury did not... Uh, come out with a result on those two things. However, there were some things that the jury came out with a uh, verdict of responsible for, and you were included in that, and one of them was a civil conspiracy at the state level of Virginia. I know you were calling for a reason, but can you explain that a little bit, Chris? Why was that something the jury brought back as responsible, but not the uh, the big two charges from the federal level?
5: So, so yeah, so there were six counts Counts one and two were the federal, um, what they they call the KKK laws, claiming that there's a a racially motivated violence conspiracy, and the jury was deadlocked on those. Counts five and six pertain directly and only to James Fields, the guy who who crashed his car into the crowd, and, you know, it was more or less a foregone conclusion there because he already pleaded guilty to doing that on purpose. Mm. I I doubt that that's actually what happened, but, you know, as a matter of law, that was more or less a foregone conclusion. uh, Counts three and four... Were, were where the jury came back with um, verdicts that could not be predicted, and so count three is Virginia state law as civil conspiracy. But it was basically what they what they what they alleged was a conspiracy to violate any one or more of half a dozen or so different state statutes, which included like harassment and assault and battery, which did not carry the the racial connotations of it. Okay, so they mm-hmm. didn't have to prove like a, a racially motivated violent conspiracy. They just had to prove that um, that members of the conspiracy sought to break some law in Virginia. And which is did a lower they even have to? The,
2: and did they even have to prove anything? Because these are preponderance of the evidence as far as. Uh, and can you hang on, Chris, to talk about this? Yeah. All right. More here with Chris Campbell because in a civil case, you don't have to prove something with a reasonable doubt or beyond a reasonable doubt. It's preponderance of the evidence. It's basically like, well, jury, do you think this is likely? So I don't know if you really even have to prove pretty messed very up, much. yeah. So we'll talk about what happened at this trial that Chris Cantwell was a uh, part of, and found uh, that he owes like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. We'll we'll talk about it.
4: An <laughs> incarcerated live. individual at Central Virginia Regional Jail. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored.
6: If you believe this should be a private call...
2: The number if you want to join uh, us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160.
6: Free call, press. One, to refuse this free call, press. Thank you for using. Securus. You may start the conversation now.
1: That was clever. I like the way that you did that. <laughs> what, take it on the air?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I actually knew it was him. Right. Like, you know, normally, I, normally when Chris calls in, it's during the middle of a segment, so I usually have to, like, mute my microphone. Aria keeps talking as I'm, like, listening on the phone to see if it's actually him. Because, you know, it could just be a spam call. It's, this is just sure. the usual landline. So m- 90% of the time, it's never someone you actually want to talk to. Uh, but uh, Cantwell's back with us here and uh, calling, I imagine, to give us a rundown of the latest, the uh, the verdict of the jury in the case of uh, whoever it was versus Kessler, something with like 16 different defendants, a bunch of uh, plaintiffs, people that were admittedly, according to an NPR story, using the court system to try to bankrupt their opponents, basically, Chris. That's what this was really all about, wasn't it?
5: Well... It, it... More than too bankrupt to prevent organizing, right? And they've they've been pretty explicit about it. This is it, it, the entire the entire purpose of this was political in nature. Um, Roberta Kaplan, the lead counsel on the thing, um, you know, she was giving um, uh, she was parading herself around all of these like ethnocentric Jewish publications, um, talking about how she was you know destroying our ability to organize and to be an effective political force, which is ultimately. What they, uh, what they are trying to prevent and and frankly understandably so because it would not be in their interest for us to gain political power, let's be honest.
2: Well, not that it was going to happen anyway, because almost immediately after the Charlottesville thing, uh, the infighting began uh, within your particular movement, and things weren't going well, and then, you know, things got worse with this particular political case, as you say. But they admitted that that was the whole point of this lawsuit, and uh, to just essentially bog you down with court and all of its requirements.
5: And and, and you can tell that by how desperate they were to find plaintiffs, okay? So... You know, among their plaintiffs, you know, the damages that they're claiming are, you know, I have trouble sleeping at night because I'm so traumatized by you being in my city, and I need an emotional support animal. Hold okay, on. These were the these plaintiffs,
2: <laughs> were the plaintiffs even physically at, or were they all physically at the Unite the Right rally as counter-protesters, or were some of them not even there?
5: There were four plaintiffs who were hit by James Fields' car. Okay, The rest of them were, you know, roundabout in the vicinity of things and basically claim that I smelled pepper spray, or the mere presence of you has traumatized me to the point that I have trouble sleeping at wow. night. Did Does someone really that. say
1: that on the stand? Like, hey, you coming to my city traumatized me, and now I can't sleep, and I need a golden retriever or whatever.
5: Well, um, they worded it differently, but fundamentally, yes. I mean, this is literally the claim that they are suffering psychological and emotional damage from the rally. That's what they're
2: claiming. Let's come back to the civil conspiracy. As you pointed out, they weren't able to prove their case beyond the preponderance of the evidence, which is a very low bar uh, on the first two counts of federal uh, conspiracy to commit like racially motivated violence. They could, they had, did they, they didn't prove that according to the jury, but they did find you responsible and the rest of the defendants for so-called civil conspiracy at the state of Virginia level. And you were getting to be just beginning to kind of explain that to us.
5: Okay, so civil. Fr- Conspiracy, the Virginia civil conspiracy laws basically they're suing you for they're suing us for conspiracy to violate any one or more of a half a dozen or so different state statutes okay and so um, this ranges from you know uh, the hate crime statutes all the way to uh, uh, like assault battery or harassment mm-hmm. okay so if you say that uh, uh, and and the, and the fifth count on the fourth count I should say was harassment And so, like, basically what they, you know, it's a little bit difficult to interpret what the jury said, because the jury doesn't tell you which state statute they found you guilty of, I'm sorry, liable for conspiring to violate, but, um, you know, they found us liable on civil conspiracy and uh, something something to do with harassment, okay? Mm. And so, like, they, they, you know, if they found us liable for racially motivated violence, then they would have found us liable for counts one and two. They didn't. So... They're accusing us of they're basically holding us liable for violating, conspiring to violate some other Virginia state statute. And they do not specify which one or more state statutes they accused us of violating. <laughs> but since they didn't find us liable on one and two, we know it wasn't racially motivated violence.
2: Do, did they present any evidence of this at the trial? Because I remember what you said on the air was that you barely even knew who these other guys were. You certainly hadn't really had any significant conversations with them prior to this particular event. So, I mean, did they actually show the jury evidence of, well, look, here's Chris Cantwell having a text message with this other uh, Nazi, and they said they were going to beat somebody up this weekend. I mean, was anything like that presented?
5: No, it wasn't It wasn't anything that explicit. So, there's, you know, they showed my communications with my co defendants which I gave up voluntarily, mm-hmm. and in discovery. Right. So mm-hmm. like, you know, but my, my, code, my communications with my co defendants are very superficial for the most part. Okay. Um, I don't, I didn't really know these people. I still don't really know them very well. And so, you know, they, they seized on one message that I sent to, um, uh, Richard Spencer, where I said, you know, Jason Kessler, you know, there was some, there was some question if our permit was going to be honored. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when the permit was in peril, um, you know, Jason Kessler was like, we're going to do the, the event anyway. And I'm like, look, this is, you know, we're being threatened with violence here. If we don't have a permit, this is going to be a problem. And so I, I messaged Richard Spencer, and I said, look, you know, Jason Kessler is trying to go ahead with this thing anyway, and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about my carry permit, frankly. And, you know, and, um, I wanted to talk to him. He said, you know, can you talk to somebody else about it? And I'm like, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm willing to risk a violence and incarceration for our cause here. But I want to make sure that, you know, we're not this is worth it, that we're not throwing our lives away on it. And um, you know, he comes back with it's worth it at least for me. They seized on this as though this were evidence that, you know, I was planning to commit a crime. Hmm. Well, what they left out, which I showed to the jury, was a prior conversation between me and Kessler, which happened on the radical agenda where you know Jason Kessler is basically saying if the if the permit is revoked, the police will still protect us. Um, and, and they'll still keep us separate, and they'll still let us have the park. You don't need a permit to, to demonstrate. Um, it's just, uh, you know, the, the plan will be altered ever so slightly or whatever. Um, and he said, you know, if the police tell us to leave, then some people might, you know, be looking at disorderly conduct charges if they refuse to leave. But, you know, this is how leftists managed to dominate the country, was through civil disobedience. We might have to do the same thing, too. And so with that context in place, it sort of took the sting out of this idea. You know, and aside from that, it's, you know, I'm saying is I'm willing to risk a lot for our cause, including violence and incarceration. I said, you know, you heard me and Mr. Spencer have both testified that we do not consider it a risk to get what we want. And so, if you're saying that, you know, the plan is to have violence and the incarceration that tends to follow, um, you know, that is that is actually contradicted by the message that the plaintiffs are telling you are telling you is that evidence of the conspiracy. And right? to
1: clarify your message, you were saying that you were
2: willing to be the victim of violence. You were willing to risk having violence brought upon you, right?
5: Well. You know, I'm, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm, I don't think that I would, uh, I, I, I did not specifically say I'd risk being the victim of violence. I'd risk be, being put in a situation where I had to defend myself, right, right? Which, I, yeah. which I ultimately was and which I ultimately ended up in jail for anyway, you know. And so, you know, despite my best effort, I got violence nonetheless, and I did end up in jail nonetheless. I
2: know your time's limited there in the, the jail on the phone, so you have time for another segment?
5: Yeah, sure. I'll call you
2: back. All right. Uh, more with Christopher Cantwell calling us from the uh, one of the correctional facilities down there in Virginia. It sounds like they haven't moved him out. The case is over. Uh, Jury's you know, results have uh, come back. I don't know if he has to go back into a courtroom at this point. I think it's a civil case, so there's, like, there's not a sentencing. The, uh, the numbers have been issued. More coming up.
6: Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values?
2: Uh, didn't expect
1: to be celebrating with Christopher Campbell here. Uh, <laughs> no, th- this is a first for me for Thanksgiving, for <laughs> yeah, sure. But he's with us. But you know, I was just thinking, I mean, they're kind of doing him a favor uh, by suing him uh, repeatedly, apparently. How's that? Well, jail is not as bad as prison. So if you have a prison well, sentence... it depends. I would rather spend my prison sentence in jail... Than in a federal prison. Let's get I think.
2: let's get Cantwell's opinion on that. Uh, Cantwell, you're on the line, back on the line here, calling us from a regional jail in the uh, Charlottesville area of Virginia, uh, as you're being held, wait, awaiting a return to a federal lockup facility. Now, to be fair. You are on a communications management unit, and that does it when you're in the federal prison. So right now you're not, which means you can make a phone call. So you are fairly restricted uh, when it comes to, to you versus most federal prisoners, right?
5: Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point that you raise. In, in most regards, I'd far rather be back at the federal prison. I have pretty cozy confines there. Um, I, I prefer the accommodations, frankly. Uh, wow I stand corrected? Yeah, though. why? Why do you
2: see? This is what I've always heard from people in prison. Like in prison, you can get drugs you, that you can't get in jail. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to admit to anything like that, Chris. But that's just what they say on the outside. They usually have a larger commissary. You can like order a television or like all kinds really? of. This it just depends on the prison, right? Uh, so, like, what are some points that you would say, real quick, Chris, that make federal prison preferable to the county jail? So
5: federal prison uh, doesn't have much more of a commissary, but the commissary is cheaper. I can't buy my own TV, for example, mm-hmm. but I do have an MP3 player, mm-hmm. and I have a pretty good AM-FM radio in addition to the MP3 player, and the MP3 player also has an FM radio in it. So um, I have, uh, just as a result of where I am at the federal prison, I actually have a, a pretty good talk radio selection. Lacks free talk live, sadly, but other than that, it's a pretty good listening selection. Uh, there's I, I, I live on a cell block with uh, 18 cells on it, and there's three TVs. And so, you know, you're sharing a TV with five or six guys as opposed to an entire unit. Uh, they have satellite uh, TV there. Here I only have an antenna. Um, uh, I have my own cell. Here I have a cellmate, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of most, most federal inmates have a have a cellmate. Commissary is a lot cheaper where I am. Um, this county jail does not have a microwave or, like, cooking temperature, hot water, like you have, like hot water, like to shower from your mm-hmm. sink and stuff, but you don't have, like, boiling water on tap. I have boiling water on tap at the federal prison, and so, uh, and also just, you know, in prison, the, the criminals in prison um, reach a certain level before they get there, and so they, you know, I think you are better at doing time, a lot of them, some of the people that you run into in a county jail who might be still, like, withdrawing from drugs or
4: so
2: you're less likely to have, like, the screamers at night, like in county jail. There's frequently people that are just screaming or shouting, and they're banging on the doors. You're, you're less likely to get that at uh, federal prison?
5: Yeah, and, and if you're such a mental health case that you can't get along with other inmates, you'll end up in a mental health facility by the time you get to prison. A county jail, mm-hmm. you know, they house all types, right? You haven't right. been through some kind of, like, federal prison classification system that put, puts you where you belong yet. You're just being held you know, waiting for something to happen. And so um, you know, I think most, most county jails have some kind of like psychiatric, you know, care facility in them or you know, sometimes you'll end up in a, in a in a regular psychiatric facility. Now are you but, in the um,
2: equivalent of like a supermax are you like it at a high high level security uh installation?
5: I mean not, not right now, I but in
2: in Illinois the, in the
4: federal.
5: So like Marion, the, the federal prison in Marion is no longer considered a penitentiary. But like when I when I put my return address on the mail, I have to say U.S.P. Marion, U.S. Mm-hmm. Penitentiary of Marion, Illinois. Um, it was designed as a penitentiary, a maximum security prison, uh, and the unit that I'm in is a higher security classification because because of the communications management. there's only a, there's only a hundred basically a hundred communications management unit beds in the entire country. Wow. And so I'm in a very select group of people you're special. like Ross Ulbricht and stuff, right? Yeah. And so, and mean, why I'm do not, they
1: have you in this unit?
5: Why do I have me in this? Yeah. Because they're very afraid of be gaining political power, believe it or not.
2: Okay. They don't want him to speak out, basically. And when you're in yeah. a communications management unit, every letter is scrutinized. Uh, you are only allowed to make, what was it, two phone calls a week pre? Yeah. You have to pre-approve. Uh, so like, basically you can call your mom, and uh, yeah. that's about it, right?
5: Yeah, I can call. There's, there's, it, it's very limited who I can call, and they're very quick to block the contact. We've mentioned before that I'm not allowed to call you, for example. The only reason yeah. I'm able to do this is because I'm in the county jail. Um, and so, you know, they're they're very restrictive of my communications. And So while I'm out, I mean, I've probably spent over two thousand dollars on the phone since they moved me on October fifth, and, <laughs> and and I and I'm and I'm enjoying it, and yeah. I'm not anxious to have the phone taken away from me, but. You know, other than that, I, I really would prefer the confines of my uh, my one man cell at the federal penitentiary in, in Marion, Illinois, because uh, you know uh, it's it more comfortable there.
2: So, was there more about the case you wanted to uh, to share with yeah, our listeners? Yeah, here's tonight? an
5: important part. So, like one of the things that happened, the jury came back and said before they came to their verdict, they said, "Okay, on count three, if we can we decide who gets punitive damages." So, the verdict form says, you know, for each plaintiff how much do they get in compensatory damages? Right. And it says, for each defendant, how much do we take from them in punitive damages? Mm-hmm. Okay? It doesn't say plaintiffs get this much in punitive damages. You follow? Got it. Okay. So the jury comes back and says, can we decide which plaintiffs get how much in punitive damages? Mm-hmm. And the judge says, no, but only plaintiffs to whom you award compensatory damages will share in the awards of punitive damages. Okay. okay? Now, that's important because if you look at the verdict form on count three, they come back and they say, this plaintiff gets a dollar, this plaintiff gets zero dollars, mm-hmm. okay? They didn't award them their full compensatory damages on on count three, and they, and they gave some of them zero dollars, and then they assessed from each individual defendant a half a million dollars in punitive damages, and from each organizational defendant, one million dollars in punitive damages. And why mm-hmm. does that matter? Well, because among the plaintiffs who got zero dollars in compensatory on count three were... Elizabeth Signs, the namesake of the case, and Seth Wispoli, the, pr- the fake priest who went on the stand, okay? Hmm. And anybody who was listening to that or followed honest media coverage of it knows I personally destroyed both of those witnesses on the witness stand. I made them look like absolute fools, and I exposed them as, as really horrific liars and made hmm. the jury hate them, which is why the jury cut them out. And so I took that as a personal victory for me. Um, that, you know, Elizabeth, if you look at the case, and on court listener, Pacer, Signs v. Tesler is the name of the case. Elizabeth Signs got $0 on count three, specifically because I, I showed the jury that she was lying, and that felt pretty good.
2: But yet they still hit you with a half a million dollars of uh, punitive, and then there's another 250000 somewhere else, isn't there?
5: There's, there's another $200,000 on count four, and then, you know, somewhere, you know, I have to split the compensatory damages my co-defendants on count four. Now, the other thing about that is, you know, there's there's Supreme Court precedent and Virginia statutes that limits punitive damages. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, precisely how that works is something that I'm still researching myself. But Supreme Court says uh, if you give compensi- if you give punitive damages more than ten times the compensatory damages, you're abusing a person's due process of the law rights. Okay. Okay. So when you give someone one dollar in compensatory damages and then assess a half a million dollars for me, that's five hundred thousand to one. That's illegal. You're not allowed to do that. So that, so that might be there's appealable. There's going to be some arguing about that. And uh, and on count four, um, you know, to say that, you know, to say that somebody's medical bills from the car crash arose from a claim of harassment is irrational and is going to be the subject of motions before the court to see that the damages reduced or uh,
2: okay so this point. case isn't over yet then there's there's not motions. by a long shot there's post it's just get started hold on so but, but not we're not talking about an appeal you're talking about motioning the current court on this i'm case? going to
5: motion on the on the damages that have been awarded there are going to be motions and then there will be appeals where i say i'm not liable for any of this but mm-hmm. you know for whatever liability will hold i i want to have the court alter it oh,
2: No, it's interesting uh all right chris uh do you want to stay or do you got to go
5: I, I should probably get going, but uh, people can send me money at jailian. I'm the Central Virginia Regional Jail by email number 042171. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Chris. I appreciate. It. I'm gonna put you on hold for just a moment. All right, stand by. Okay. All right, uh, we got more coming up here. We got plenty of time for you. It's a live, thirst, uh, thirsty Thanksgiving Day, Turkey Day edition of the show, and phones are open as always. You can take control of the airwaves. Coming up, Thomas Jefferson statue taken down in New York City. We'll tell you about it. <laughs> 160 that's 603 6160 Of course, you can bring up whatever happens to be on your mind. And I do want to say thank you to KC Masterpiece, who is a Free Talk Live Gold supporter of our AMPS program. And the amps is a new thing that we uh, came out with to replace the old amp program that uh, we had to shut down when I blew up the old website a couple of months ago at this point. We got a new site, but uh, I had to get rid of the old one for technical reasons, and it was honestly time. It had been basically the same design for a decade, so... Time to freshen things up, and uh, so we had to launch a new thing, and Patreon exists now, and that didn't exist in 2005 when we started the AMP program, so it made it a lot easier to just make the switch, so that's what we've done, and uh, several dozen people, about uh, 50 people, have, uh, have come on board. Awesome over at the uh, the amps patreon so if you haven't yet done so we sure would appreciate your support you can do it for as little as five bucks a month over at amps.freetalklive.com that takes you right to the patreon page where you can learn more about some of the perks some of the benefits that you'll get if you sign up over at amps.freetalklive.com we go to your phone calls and thoughts major pain is on the line in michigan you're on free talk live major
7: hey good evening Happy happy turkey day same to you go ahead Yes, make sure we squat before we gobble, right? Anyway. Um, I think it's, it's the other way hard around, to- but okay. I don't know what he said. Well,
2: he said squat before you gobble. Oh.
7: Yeah, well, you want to make sure the exhaust pipe is clear before you fill the gotcha. tank, right?
2: <laughs> All right, dude. All what right. were you calling about?
7: Well, I'm going to forego my first topic that I talked to you about in, in lieu of... Uh, I'm going to have a hard time outdoing your previous caller, but... I've got some, some jailhouse stories. I've done time in the county, and I've mm. done time in the federal facilities. A oh, wow. Of one of them was really scary. One of them was all right.
2: Which one but, was scary? Uh,
7: well, let, let's go back to the county because that's okay. where it all begins. Um, I remember that our jail used to sell um, jailhouse space to the more southern counties, Flint and Saginaw and whatnot. Okay. Right? And up here, we're basically a caucasian community and down there the ones that are incarcerated ain't so we had you know trouble bunking with us and these are you know multi-man units these aren't like little two-man pods
2: you're saying that there's an open air unit where people are just there's dozens of people in a large area with bunk beds basically that kind of situation
7: yeah, you mm-hmm. would not believe the, uh, with the crap they feed you, you would not believe the gaseous state that <laughs> we have to live in. But uh, I I remember one time it, this big black fellow was messing, just continually messing with this little white cat. And they used to have a thing that they, we could get on the commissary called a hot pot. You know, to heat up your water for your coffee and your of okay. noodles and such. Well, he commenced to beat this big fellow with the hot pot. Oh, my God. It's terrible. Well, he had no no recourse. I mean, what are you going to do, beat him with your flip-flop? Mm-hmm. You know? But, uh, yeah, so they took the hot pot away from us. And then uh, a few months later, one of these geniuses got the idea that they should start snorting pepper and doing pepper bombs. (laughs) So they ended up taking the salt and pepper away from us. And the food that they served was sucked so bad. If you didn't have oh, some
1: sprinkles, you, it was intolerable. Oh, man. Yeah, gel food is terrible, man.
2: It's actually not that
1: bad in New Hampshire, honestly. <laughs> but a- anyway, yeah, so
7: this thing all started many, many years ago, better than two decades. The, well, the day that you, you were
2: hold on going go on major pain. The day you were in jail, Aria, was like the worst day okay. as far <laughs> as the menu cuz it was like that s- crap was inedible, cheese. man. It was the grilled cheese lunch day that you were in there for and um, that's like li- literally the worst lunch that uh, that you'll get while you're in there. So okay. it, was, it was it was bad timing in that particular
1: case. Well, th- there's no such thing as good timing, right? No, no, that's true. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, but, I feel a little better than knowing yeah. that not every meal is like that. But I took one look at it. I was like, no, I'm probably getting out today. I'll uh, just I'll just eat when I'm at home. They had decent turkey dinners a handful of times when
2: I was in there. Okay. And they, yeah. Anyway, uh, Major Payne, go ahead. What? So what did you think between, yeah. what uh, you know, the, the comparison between jail and, and federal prison in your experience was one preferable to the other?
7: Well, the first time I, I got hemmed up on a Michigan misdemeanor when I was out west. Mm-hmm. And they threw me in Yellowstone jail, and I have never been so insulted, humiliated, depraved, and deprived in my life. Mm. We got an hour out a day, in two man cells that were meant for one man. Mm-hmm. The food was horrid, but uh, <laughs> this place was so ancient it was haunted.
1: I actually. <laughs> well, I mean, when you think spirit. about it, food is like something that we need every day to survive. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of a big deal. If it's the food important. is bad, yeah, then it's worth mentioning. So it was so haunted. I'm, this 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 place was
7: haunted, yeah. And I actually sent one poor soul through the gate to the other side. Oh, really? It Tell was, me about uh, that. Yeah, th- th- was th- this was once again. It was a like a three hundred pound black guy, and he he he'd been locked up in there about a year before I got there, a year and a half maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, he wouldn't get out of the shower as quick as the screws demanded that he should. And being, you know, he's all wet and greased up, and they tased him to death. Oh, God.
2: Oh, man.
7: And, yeah, I, I used to see this flash go by my cell, you know, like 3 o'clock in the morning, every damn night. I I'm getting goosebumps just about this.
1: Jeez. Hey. So you put a spirit oh, to man. rest? Yeah, yeah. I, I
7: told him, I says, dude, I says, you know somebody on the other side that you think made it to heaven? I says, if you call out their name, they will turn on the light. Walk into light, and all that screwy stuff started stopped happening that day. There was still another couple. There was a couple of people. One dude hung himself over the railings with his bed sheets and oh whatnot. I mean, there was more than one ghost in there. But this black dude was—he he, was—he was tormented.
1: Well, I mean, so, if you're tortured to had, death with I a taser, that's I understandable. Had a dream
7: in there that you wouldn't believe. I, 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 I I, I don't even want to share it with you because it was scary. All like right, I well, like. give
2: me a breakdown, Major Payne. I've asked you a few times now. What is your opinion? Was Chris Cantwell right? Is federal prison preferable to county jail in your experience? You're giving me some bad stories from county jail, so you know what about fed fed prison?
7: Well, this basically was a county jail, but it was used as a federal facility. Sure, there's a lot wing, of that. There's a lot of uh,
2: a lot of county jails where federal prisoners are held temporarily. Usually, they're not usually there for their right, full sentence, right. but, but prior to so yeah, so I trial. did
7: I did like eight months in that damn thing, mm-hmm. and then uh, I got out. And I was out west, dude. I had no friends. I got cut loose on the street in my slippers in the middle of the winter. Oh man! And they expect me to march around and find a job in right. Montana.
2: Where are you going to go to sleep? Right.
7: <laughs> I I mean I I went to every damn dollar store or, or or Salvation Army or just trying to find a pair of shoes that fit me. wasn't happening. Finally, mm. I did get blessed with a good pair of boots, but that's another story. But anyway, I drank a couple of beers one night, and the feds have this magic mouthwash piss test whatever they can tell if you had two beers four days later mm-hmm. so i violated well then i got sent uh, to a decent federal facility and i had to do four months in that damn place but uh so you so were in the, you others. were in a
2: county jail but you were there on federal charges for your whole sentence That's correct. Uh, Okay, that's that's fairly unusual, but it must. So it was a short sentence then, right? How many months?
7: You don't never want to go to jail in Yellowstone County.
2: Thanks, Major Payne. I appreciate uh, hearing from you. There's a lot of places... I mean, generally, you don't want to go to jail. I, I would uh, say that's generally true. But there are some places where it is uh, not as bad as elsewhere. So, I mean, I thankfully, I have not gone to jails outside of New Hampshire. I uh, I went to Cheshire County, which is the county in which we do this As show. I
1: understand it, that's a, as, as good a jail as you could hope to end up in. We call it the, uh, the, uh, the Cheshire or the Keene Spiritual Retreat. And
2: the food there, i you know, I haven't been there in a decade. I went there for civil disobedience a decade ago, spent fifty eight days in a row uh, in that facility and worked in the kitchen. so I you know got to see a lot of the food up close being made, and you know there were real eggs and wow. you know, it was it wasn't a bad uh, it wasn't a bad setup at all. And the jail that I was just at, where you and I, uh, you were held for just the day, I was there for sixty-nine days. Our friend Nobody nice. was there, for except six. not really, six months. Uh, he was there for the. Uh, it was very similar to Cheshire County. The food, similar level of, uh, okay. of quality. I didn't really have any issues with with the food at all. Whereas sometimes you hear these just horror stories, like with major Payne. And he didn't get into it with us, but like how bad the food was. But plenty of uh, inmates will tell you. And I was I was told in uh, Cheshire County by inmates who'd been in like Massachusetts jails that Cheshire County was like Club Med by comparison as far as like the food quality was concerned. So when it's when other inmates are telling you this is good, you know, food for a jail. You know, I mean, it, it's not like high quality restaurant <laughs> right. level, but.
1: It ain't terrible, I'll tell you that. Well, I mean, if you're going to hold people against their will in cages, you should at least feed them well, right? And I'll I'll say this, it's what I looked forward to, right? (laughs) But there's not a lot to look forward (laughs) to. Release and the next meal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All
2: right, so 603-283-6160. And of course, it was nice to get mail from people I look forward to that too. but you never know when that's going to happen.
6: More coming up. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved, to stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down, and to put you in control of your own happiness so you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class.
4: Free Talk Live It's Free Talk Live and Dial in and bring
2: up anything you wanna talk about. The number 603-283-6160 joining you in the studio tonight is Ian
1: And Aria. 603-283-6160.
2: We kick off the third hour of this live Thanksgiving Day episode of Free Talk Live. Lots of stuff in the news to talk about, but of course the phones are open here and you can bring up anything you want. That is the point of the show. We've been talking about some of the big city news. Uh, San Francisco with the insane... Uh, massive numbers of dozens of people coming in and robbing places, just broad daylight robberies by... Upwards of eighty assailants coming in, sometimes attacking staff or other customers, getting in and out in less than
1: a minute in yeah. some cases. But
2: usually just grabbing and dashing, and uh, and in many cases not being charged criminally. Of course, there's no one around with guns to uh, protect these stores. So some of the stores are just closing. They're just saying, you know what? That's what Don't I would do. It. It. We're out of here. We we you know we can make money in other places where people aren't going to walk in and just. You know, commit brazen robberies like this. If you want to comment on that still, you're welcome to do that Uh, in other news. What's going on in New York City? Well, the New York Post is uh, reporting on. Another statue takedown. We were actually just talking with uh, Christopher Cantwell about the uh, the civil case happening in Wasn't Charlottesville. Wasn't that
1: what caused the entire Unite the Right thing in the first place was the taking down of Confederate statues?
2: That's correct. That uh, People
1: the, do love their participation
2: trophies. The park uh, where the, the whole conflict happened between the Nazis and the Antifas was surrounding a Civil War statue. And so that's what the conflict was all about. And uh, personally, I l- I say take all of the Civil War statues down. Let's let's take down the northern uh, people. Let's take down the southern people. Let's take down all war monuments
1: entirely. Let's, let's just get rid of all statues that I are on that public I think that idolatry is kind of not good anyway. Yeah. And that having statues of these people, whether or not they actually worship them or anything like that, it, it is idolatry and it does create this mythology of this person – has to be perfect, and they have. If they have any flaw whatsoever, they have to be just completely destroyed in the eyes of the public. Like Thomas Jefferson, not mm-hmm. a great guy, not deserving of a statue in modern in a modern sense, certainly. So, absolutely, no one should have statues. But it's not to say that he never did anything good with his life. But sure. now, because of this statue and because of how polarized it's become, even bringing that up, you're called yes, but he owned slaves. Yes, but he still did some good stuff and some people have said that he was
2: actually particularly kind apparently to slaves i've heard that rumor i don't know if that's the truth um, but you know some people it was like the thing to own slaves back then and also you had some slave owners that were absolutely terrible right and horrible i mean the vast
1: majority of people today if, if slavery was legal they they would it have slaves yeah. Just because that's that's the standard of the day,
2: right? It was the Quakers who I believe were the first that actually came out against slavery. If I recall correctly, uh, they were the ones who, who led the the charge against that. Good for them. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, according to the New York Post, is no longer in the room where it happens. Art handlers packed up an 884-pound statue of Jefferson in a wooden crate this week after a mayoral commission voted to banish the likeness of the nation's third president from City Hall where it has resided for nearly two centuries, simply because he owned slaves. About a dozen workers with Marshall Fine Arts spent several hours carefully removing the painted plaster monument from its pedestal inside the city council chambers and surrounding it with sections of foam and wooden boards. They then lowered the massive structure down the stairs, leading to the building's first floor rotunda with a pulley system and ushered the founding father out the back door. The 18? I
1: mean, th- let's get all of the founding fathers out and all of the nonsense they created, including the Constitution of that crap. Let's just throw it all out. That may sound like sarcasm, but no. I'm, You're look, serious. Thomas Jefferson is not enough, man. Get rid of the Constitution while we're at it. Get rid of all. Well, it's not like
2: a- the Constitution applies in New York City anyway or, any or anywhere. York, yeah. So, I mean, they don't care about that. Uh, The 1833 statue will be on long-term loan to the New York Historical Society, which plans to have Jefferson's model survive in its lobby and reading room. Carrie Butler, executive director of the Public Design Commission that voted to banish the statue, at first tried to block press from witnessing its removal. Butler relented after members of the mayor's office and city council intervened. So there's plenty of photographs.
1: They said, but dude, imagine the photo op this is going to be for your next campaign. And he went, oh, good point.
2: (laughs) That's probably what happened. The commission also attempted to vote on the statue's removal without public hearing on the controversial move until the post revealed the plan. Removing a monument without a public conversation about why it's happening is useless. New Yorkers all need to talk about who we want to honor and why, said Aaron Thompson. This is
1: another issue with statues, right? Is that it sort of creates this illusion that the the whole city or the whole town or whatever. yeah. And that's not necessarily the case.
2: No, and that's a good point. Like, you know, there's plenty of statues up that I don't agree with
1: there's a Civil War statue right here at Central Square in Keene, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, I find that. I mean, it's got op- cannons and everything.
2: Yeah, I find that statue to be offensive.
1: And, and they, every know? Saturday, they're out there you know, protesting against war they are. in front of this giant monument to war.
2: Yeah. Uh, a giant monument to a war that was all about you know, imperialism, was all about keeping the union together at any cost. And, and the deadliest war in American history. Yeah, and and killing, uh, killing all kinds of innocent people so that's why i say take them all down but it is interesting that this has now come to new york city uh and if you want to weigh in you're certainly welcome to join us here at 603-283-6160 what i think would make the most sense would be for the people that want to support the statue you know that, that think it's valuable that think it's important just go ahead and have a bidding war like hey yeah but how much would this statue really cost That's what we'd find out, right? So, fair point. Instead of just giving it to this museum, which is what they're doing, they or loaning it or whatever to the museum, they would say, "All right, bids are open. We're going to take bids for you know a month or whatever, and whoever gets the highest bid, you got
1: to you got to pay the bill to move this thing, and that would be a better approach than what they did, yeah." I mean, at least then it would be in private ownership. and
2: It would presumably be in the hands of somebody who really valued the thing, right? Because, I mean, in theory, someone who hated it could also bid, but it seems more likely that somebody sure. who really loved the thing would probably bid more. But either way, it would be in the hands of the highest bidder. That money could come in and subsidize whatever the stupid government things are going on, you know, pay for some government service uh, for a week or whatever. Or a half a minute. Or a day. And, uh, and then, you know, the statue's gone and now it's on private property and no one else gets to say anything about it at that
1: point. In all likelihood, it would probably be one of these museums that had the kind of money to actually purchase the statue in the first place. So I I don't know. Or it could just be a private art collector.
2: Could be. You know, these guys, they got a lot of money. They're buying things like Picassos or whatever. This is
1: probably cheaper. Presumably. Yeah. It would have been a better solution. And then instead of, you know, having that fund the government for 30 seconds or however long it would actually fund the government, just give that money back to the people. Well, it may only be like a dollar, but still, that's not a bad idea. But, you know, they're not going to do that. No, of course they're not, because they're going to use Even if people were doing that, even if they were selling statues and art and stuff to raise money without taxing people, they would still tax people. They would just spend more money. They wouldn't issue rebates or whatever. So, oh, we sold a lot of art this year, so we're not charging you as much taxes. No, they, they'll still charge the same amount.
2: And it shouldn't be replaced with anyone. There should be no statues that go in its place. Because Who are they putting in its place? I don't know. Okay. It doesn't. It, the story I don't think says anything about that.
1: If anything, this should teach people the folly of having these statues in the first place. Like, sure, even if you like and admire Thomas Jefferson and mm-hmm. some of the things he did, he had some negative aspects to him. And eventually society could just decide, hey... That negative thing about him, it completely undoes the positive stuff. This has to go. And every human is fallible. I mean,
2: we all have problems. We all have our issues. There's something somebody's not going to like about every single person of which a statue would be made. So it just makes sense to not have them in a public place. Or you get the, the same problem where, like you know you put up a religious thing and then all of a sudden satanists want to come in and then the uh you know the muslims come in and everybody and then everybody gets to have their statue and then it just gets you know crazy yeah, so better just to statues just, everywhere better than just have nothing better just have no government <laughs> but you know we're not there yet uh 603-283-6160 and other new york city news are you're going to tell us as the weather is getting pretty damn cold they're forcing kids to eat lunch outdoors we'll tell you about that on the way it's free talk live 603 or something like that it's gotta be soon i think we're gonna do a uh, episode of freer talk live which is our internet only after show and on that episode we will be drawing a winner for the bitbox bitbox is a 100 percent open source hardware wallet so if you've got bitcoin btc or ethereum you really want to look at the bitbox as an option because they as i said are 100 percent open source Some of these hardware wallets out there, they're not open source, which means you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what the code is uh, that those devices are running. You can know that with the BitBox. Head over to box.freetalklive.com. You can buy your own BitBox there, get 5% off with code FTL, like Live, and you can enter our giveaway. It's not too late to enter. All you have to do is go and subscribe to our Odyssey channel. Maybe you already have, in which case, you just go to uh, video.freetalklive.com. You can subscribe and follow us there. Take a screenshot of your subscription to prove that you subscribed. And then post that screenshot in a post over at social.freetalklive.com, which if you haven't signed up for that yet, you'll have to do that. It's easy, super easy, and it's free. So social.freetalklive.com. When you post the screenshot, be sure you tag at Aria to make sure Aria knows that you posted it so you enter the contest that way and then at some point we'll pick that winner uh what do you want to do like
1: tuesday uh, monday what's we should probably decide this yeah you know? um either either way is good i okay. mean monday's probably i mean monday or tuesday it's it's toss up i mean especially now with conan being gone for the holidays conan gone yeah monday will also usually has bonnie on with us whereas tuesday she has to work so maybe monday yeah yeah okay let's do it monday okay so monday well night- let's cut off the giveaway date then uh, Sunday. Sunday. Okay. That so way, I don't know. have to worry about updating it at the last minute or whatever. All right, I'll make a note here. Sunday
2: deadline. Sunday. So, uh, if you haven't done these, you know, jump through these hoops. You want to get into this thing? There's what, maybe a couple dozen, few dozen entries at this point.
1: I haven't looked in quite a few days, yeah. so I don't know. There, there were between, there were between six and twenty. I didn't scroll yeah. all the way down. I just made some quick notes. But the, them's good odds. They are know. good odds.
2: One out of. Let's say 30 or 40 or something like that. It's pretty good odds. You're going to be the winner. Uh, So again, uh, that's coming up on Monday. We'll do the drawing then. Your deadline to enter is this Sunday. So get hopping. And uh, we're going to continue here. And again, that's box.freetalklive.com with code FTL for 5% off. You want to just go right ahead and buy one. Uh, But uh, Aria, you've got a New York City related story. What's going on with the school system there?
1: Well, today was Thanksgiving, right? When I first got invited to the Thanksgiving thing that you ended up going to my first thought was, Well, this house isn't especially large. So I assumed, you know, because this was weeks ago when it first came up, that it yeah. was going to be held outside. Ew. But yeah, as I thought about it, as the date came Too near, cold. I was like, Yeah, there, there's no way it's like 40 degrees here in Keene. That's during the day, if you're lucky. And so I did see by the way we were walking you know
2: we take the dog for a walk around the neighborhood here in uh, downtown Keene uh pretty regularly and I did see at somebody's house in this neighborhood an outdoor table set up with like an obvious like tablecloth on it that looked like it was probably set up for for turkey day so Oh man I hope s- not There were four chairs so somebody had the uh like you know, if you
1: set a drink out there for too long, it's going to develop ice.
2: Yeah, I you know I said to Bonnie, "Looks like that's the unvaccinated table for that person's house." Because sadly,
1: are, that's probably true. There are literally people
2: out there who will refuse to let their uh, family members into their homes because they're not vaccinated. There was a post. Then they're not your family. They they're your blood relations, but yeah. they're not your family. That's an important point. I mean, you are uh, family members are just strangers. In your, that you're born into, basically. It's a group of yeah. strangers that you happen into. Um, and if that were happening, then I certainly wouldn't stay there. You know, like, I'm not going to sit outside like second-class uh, people. But there was a,
1: a post— that's families doing it to their own family members. Yeah, it's sick. That's, uh, a, that's a new level of whatever psychosis it is that got into the Nazi Germans, right? At least then you didn't have Jews turning on their, their own daughters and sons. Earlier today, there was a photograph or not photo, but a, a post
2: on Twitter. Rachel Goldsmith, she's the wife of Jeremy Kaufman. She's the former executive director of the Free State Project, uh, and she traveled apparently to Colorado for a family get together. She posted that after traveling all the way to Colorado with multiple like little children in tow, yeah. she showed up at her family's house and was refused entry. Into her own family's home after having gone all that way. She was not allowed to actually be in the same house as her family members.
1: Did they not tell her that she needed to be vaccinated?
2: I didn't get any of those details, but obviously she thought she was going to be able to and wasn't.
1: Which is a reasonable expectation if you're flying across the country to visit your family, you would expect them to allow you into the house. She now says she's never leaving New Hampshire again. (laughs) I certainly would never speak to my family again. It's pretty crazy. Man, crazy I thought story. my family was messed up. Yeah. So
2: if you've had an experience like that today and you want to, you know, jump into the store you know the show, feel free to call in at 283 But what's happening in New York City?
1: Yeah, well, we didn't eat outside today, but kids in some city schools are still eating lunch outdoors each day due to social distancing rules, despite plunging temperatures and angry parents. It's getting a little ridiculous at this point, said one mother in Manhattan, and, oh, God, I hate this stupid, subscribe to our newsfeed thing came up, where kids again pulled apart their string cheese in 39-degree weather Wednesday. Oh, so my God. So, sub 40 degrees, they've eaten outdoors every day this week. It's not even a pleasant experience to walk a dog for a few no. minutes in this, I mean, especially when the wind is blowing. To spend a whole lunch period outside? Yeah, that's horrific. A mom at a Park Slope elementary school said her child has also been dining outside for the entire year and began complaining about the conditions this week. We've heard no plans to bring them inside anytime soon. Well, at least none
2: of them will die from a disease that has a uh, (laughs) 0.00000000001% chance for a child to die from or something like that. Like almost no kids in good health, are going to die from uh, COVID.
1: I mean, it's almost the end of New- November, yeah. and this is New York City. I yeah. mean, I realize it's, it's not quite as cold as Keene, but it's still really cold. 40 degrees is cold. I don't want to sit out there like that. No, absolutely not. And in just a few more weeks, it's going to be like, here's your lunch, and you open up your drink. Oh, no, it's already <laughs> frozen. frozen. Or <laughs> here is fresh out of the microwave or whatever. And, right. Oh, yeah, now it's, it's already got ice on it. Yeah. Thanks. In fact, they are still asking for parents to give their school their fresh direct bags to create seating pads. I have no idea what that means. The Department of Education allowed principals this uh, allowed principals to devise their own lunch arrangements this year while complying with social distancing rules. While some have managed to keep kids under a roof while eating, seems like wow. a basic prerequisite to me, hey, here's a roof and four walls you may eat
2: here. Can you imagine still sending your kids to government school after the last year and a half?
1: Dude, how much worse can it get before these people are like, you know what? Yeah, no, I'm just not sending my kids to this torture center <laughs> I mean, anymore. The guys in jail don't have it this bad.
2: You know I mean? I, look, I wouldn't want to be in the tombs in uh, New York City. It's a terrible jail from what I understand, but at least yeah, but they're, they're, they're indoors.
1: Not, yeah, they're not being forced to eat outside. <laughs> right. So there God. is there is more about this and just yeah, how bad it really
2: it. is. Uh, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Yeah, your kid didn't catch COVID, but he caught a, you know, frost nip. 60, we had to cut his finger off. <laughs> 603-283-6160.
0: It's
2: Free Talk Live. If you want to join us here, you can. The number is 603 283 That's 603-283-6160. A happy Thanksgiving to you. Honestly, it's one of the better holidays out there. I it encourages people to be
1: grateful. Yeah, there's no stupid consumerism destroying Thanksgiving yet, right? I mean, Christmas is trying hard, but.
2: Well, I mean, there's still some stupid, like, Thanksgiving decorations, right? Like, you can still get, like, the inflatable turkey out for the front yard. There's one of those in this neighborhood right now.
1: Dude, there are some people in this neighborhood who go all out out there's one house in particular that um, the one right here on uh castle or whatever yeah yeah Yeah.
2: actually he doesn't he's not doing he doesn't do anything for thanksgiving but halloween he's dude must literally have like two storage units one for halloween one for for christmas because there ain't no way that he's got that stuff in his basement or in that little garage of his. It's a, it's a local fireman, actually. Uh, I think he works with like the city of Keene fire department. And that dude loads up the yard. I mean, every square foot of that yard has some sort of a Halloween creature. See, or I don't do
1: these holiday def- decorations, but if I did, I would do like an epic one, a three-part one mm-hmm. that separated Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, and. You have the Christmas people invading all of the other ones, like Santa with a butcher knife, you know, oh, slashing man. turkeys' necks and stuff. That's and, brutal. And you have the skeletons and stuff trying to hold the line and is keep it... Christmas from invading everywhere, right? <laughs> so is that a statement
2: on how Christmas like keeps getting larger as well? Yeah, and it would, as... would
1: also look cool, mm-hmm. and it would make me have to decorate only once to cover all three, all three holidays. holidays. Okay. So, all right. But I'm never going to do that that's because I, you are. that's yeah. a lot more work than I want to put into something like that. Yeah, it was like the, crazy. The idea is enough for me if someone out there wants to do it go for it but i'm not going to 603-283-6160 so uh we can talk more about what's happening in new
2: york city where students at their government schools are being told you got to sit outside in 40 degree weather and it ain't getting any warmer uh to eat lunch we'll talk more about it coming up here but david is on the line in new mexico you're on free talk live go ahead david
3: yeah happy thanksgiving they're on their way to kill you huh Who's said, on their way to Happy kill me? Thanksgiving. Well, your government—they're on their way to kill you. Happy Thanksgiving.
2: Why are they on the way to to kill us?
3: Well, because they're psychopaths, and they've always been psychopaths, and they're on their way to kill you. They're doing it step by step by step, and they're uh, getting closer and closer. So that that begs the next question: What are you going to do about it? And let me go back to the first one: They're on their way to kill you because. Uh, well, let me, let me first of all let me see. Let's look at some facts, some historical facts. How many people have governments killed in the course of recorded history?
1: Hundreds of millions. Oh, just in the twentieth century alone it was something like four hundred million if yeah. you combine governments fighting each other and governments killing their own citizens, something like four hundred million.
3: So they've killed four hundred million people, which is more than the population of the United States That's right. by almost a hundred by almost a hundred million people. And they didn't have uh a a worldwide vaccine program in order to do it did they no they had they a
1: couple of world wars that were kind of worldwide and other yeah, exterminations how, man, of yeah. people's what, own what people a, what,
3: what a what a what a cumbersome way to have to kill people man that's a lot of work to have to take knives and and rip out guts and slice throats and then gas people and shoot people and burn people and gas you know, that's just a lot of work and now just think how many hundreds of millions or even billions of people your government can kill now that they are injecting people. You know, they're taking a sharpened metal tube and stick it, jabbing it into mm-hmm. bodies. They want to jab it into every single body of the 8 billion bodies yeah, on some, the planet Yeah, and some Earth.
2: government gangs around the planet are now mandating it. Austria with a mandatory jab. Uh, it's, pretty, it's getting pretty scary out there. Uh, the Australian government is forcing people into quarantine camps. So I mean, things yeah. are definitely so, not getting better as far as that so is concerned. So instead
3: of instead instead of being forced to fire 400 million bullets in the back of 400 million heads mm-hmm. and watch those people fall over and then bury them with a bulldozer or whatever you, you know whatever you got at hand, um, you know, instead of that, now they they it's so convenient because we've got these inexpensively manufactured hollow metal tubes that are sharpened razor sharp on one end, and we, and we have people volunteering to have them jabbed into them and then some unknown fluid uh, that you, you 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 don't know what it is i mean at least coming out of a gun you when it, when what comes out of a gun we all pretty much know it's a bullet right you know what's going to happen
2: have... yeah that's true
1: yeah i mean if the yeah. vaccine if the, you're referring to the covid-19 vaccine if that's an extermination program then it's a terrible one I mean this is the worst method worst method of executing large number of peace, people any government has ever come up with. Well now Arya there are the,
2: some of the, the theories are that they're not trying to kill everybody all at once mm-hmm. that they're trying to slow kill some number of people and maybe cause other maladies down the road. What do you think they're trying to do David?
3: I think they're doing a number of different things. One um they're they're by implementing this program, they're implementing a program. Now they have a device. You know, it's like it's like uh, you know, if I was if I was uh, miraculously in charge of everything, if I could implant a cyanide tablet in every body when they're born, and any time I want to get rid of that person, I just activate that cyanide tablet. They kind of have the same thing because they have a program where you know the vast majority of people are are allowing this uh, tube to be stuck into them uh, and injected with stuff. Uh, you know. It, theoretically now what once every six months uh, throughout their whole life so anytime you want to change the program you know if you want if you want to just have a semi-deadly fluid injected you can do that and then if you want to have it a little more deadly you can change the fluid and and every six months you have the opportunity to do to the population whatever you want to do to them and you're also the next thing you're doing is you're kind of sorting out who is willing to be injected and who is not Mm -hmm. we can sort out friend or foe you know it's like fighter jets they fly around they got devices on their uh, IFF identification friend or foe you can tell which other fighter jets out there are friendly and which ones are hostile if they got you know if they identify with the uh, friend or foe device and so the vaccine injection program kind of does that it sorts out who is a friendly and who is who's a hostile and so of the friendlies You know, you got them on the six-month injection program, and you can inject them with saline this six months. And then if you decide, you know, if you have your worldwide uh, meetings over in Davos or wherever you have them, and you decide that, uh, you know what, last six months we were just injecting these people with uh, something that was relatively harmless. But you know what, I think it's time to kill them all. So this next six months, let's just inject them all of the six billion that are accepting the uh, tattoo. I mean, here's uh, here's the flaw
1: in this, David. That methodology no, no that you ju- yes there is <laughs> that methodology that you just described would be the government killing the people that it has classified as friendly and sparing the people it has classified as foes.
3: No, you, so let me tell you what your flaw is. So, um, do you remember a guy named Lenin?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: The Russian. Did, did you remember? Dictator. Do you remember? you a, remember a phrase uh, how he referred to uh, uh, useful idiots? You remember that?
2: Mm, I've heard
3: that. Okay, and who who are the useful idiots? The obedient? Yeah, the ones that helped him get in power, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that the government would be
1: killing in the program that you're talking about.
3: Right, but after... So the useful idiots helped him get in power, right? Yeah. Once you're you're in power, do you need the useful idiots anymore?
1: Well, in well, yeah, if you're a dictator, no, you wouldn't. Uh, Why would I, they kill all the useful idiots, though, and leave the 20% who resist and don't cooperate? That's the yeah. opposite of what a government wants. It doesn't well, you're, seem you're likely still, that they still would still
3: kill not, them all. You're still not thinking, are you? Are you? No, you're I, not thinking. I, I don't She's think thinking, I'm the one not thinking David, here, David. it
2: doesn't seem likely that they would. If they are indeed trying to kill off people, it doesn't make sense that they would go ahead and just kill them all. Like, what would the reason be for that?
3: Well, they're, they're, well you've heard the phrase uh, uh, useless eaters, right? Yeah. Okay. So let me let me respond to Aria. So tw- you got twenty percent that are refusing. So now you've identified those as the twenty percent. Well, if you got eighty percent that are useful idiots, that uh, very likely will follow your order. I mean, after all, they're following your orders to get injected with some unknown fluid. Um, so they probably would follow your orders to point a rifle at somebody and pull the trigger, right? And now Except they're dying nature. because the
1: government injected with stuff that's killing them. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense that
2: they would kill off all of their followers. That doesn't that doesn't fly. I can buy the idea that they would do a slow kill on the population, like trying to cull the herd, get rid of sure. the fattest and the most disease ridden. But
1: COVID nineteen does that, not the vaccine.
2: Well, that is true. COVID-19 is doing that. Uh, The vaccine, you're right. The vaccine's been uh, ostensibly causing, like, sports stars to just keel over on the, uh, you know, on the field. I don't know if you've heard on those stories. Oh, yeah. Thank you, David, for the call tonight. If you want to weigh in here with your theories, join us. It's Free Talk Live. Yeah! about what this vaccine is really all about is it about you know legitimate attempt to stop COVID-19 or is it actually some sort of sinister attempt to poison people and to cause other health problems to rise up there was a doctor uh, I saw a video of uh, I think it was in like Iowa and he's some i forget the dude's name i don't, I don't remember all the details sure. but he had some renown apparently and he had said that what was going on with these vaccines was they were actually reducing the uh t-cell the count now there's different types of t-cells you might have heard about them when it comes to hiv and, and aids he says there's like how uh, was it like the i looked it up the other day it's like the other one that that so it does look... he says the uh vaccines do the reverse of what AIDS does. So AIDS reduces a certain type of T cell count and the the vaccine reduces the opposite, like the killer kind of T cells, basically, the ones that go in and, okay. and kill off the bad, you know, the bad stuff. And he says he's been seeing twenty times the instances of various different issues that normally would come into his office it's like up by 20x in people that have the vaccinations and so i mean that
1: sort of thing can cause like um joint inflammation and stuff like that as you know there's too many white blood cells because white blood cells if i recall correctly are significantly larger than red ones Mm. so they're more likely to cause cause clots and things like that and pain and they tend to bundle up in joints and not to mention your body is the one creating these spike proteins, so it doesn't stand impossible that your body would start just attacking itself. Well,
2: he's saying that basically killing off these attacker T-cells essentially means that if you've got some sort of issue, it's going to come back. and Or you know if you catch something, it's going to be bad right? because they're not going to be able to fight it off. I okay. think uh, that's just, just what this one guy said, and so he said he's seeing all these issues come back up for people that uh, in huge numbers that he hasn't seen. So, you know, what's really going on? It's, it's hard to say. We know the pharmaceutical companies aren't being honest. That much you can count on.
1: Well, they can and, never be trusted. Yeah. They couldn't be trusted in 2017, and they can't be trusted in 2021. Right, and there
2: are, but for some reason now the liberals who previously were skeptical of these companies are completely embracing them and believe everything they say. Uh, which is very strange but
1: you know yeah i mean it's it's unfortunate but it's not strange at all that sort of mental gymnastics that double think it's pervasive on both the left and the right sure
2: right because they were against the vaccine when trump was in charge but then as soon as trump left office it's like all right shoot me give me that jab i'll take three of them or Uh, four yeah or however many they're they're told to And so we're seeing people dropping dead. Sports, uh, you know, athletes are dropping dead on the field. People who are presumably in better shape than the average person.
1: Yeah, that's an alarming one,
2: man. Yeah, like that doesn't normally happen.
1: No, athletes don't typically just drop dead unless they have like a sudden brain aneurysm or something like that. And
2: that has probably happened at some point, but it's like rare now. It doesn't seem very rare. Like there's multiple things like that happening now. Uh, in addition to young children and teenagers coming down
1: with things like myocarditis that generally they shouldn't be coming down with. And, you know, uh, they tell you now. I mean, they tell you after the fact, at least. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they're open about it. If you're a male, you're more likely to experience myocarditis than females. OK, so you have some data to back that up, presumably. Mm-hmm. Did any of these pharmaceutical companies or any of the people administrating these vaccines warn the parents about that? before subjecting their children to this? Did the media say, oh yeah, you might want to consider these risks before getting this for your sons because there's an increased chance of myocarditis. Yeah, but the chance of that is so small. I mean, I really wouldn't want
2: my son to get something that could be a cold or a flu and have to suffer through a cold or flu symptoms. I mean, I'd much rather have blood clots that could possibly kill him. I and mean, worst case crazy. scenario,
1: that's, that's the decision for the parent to make. But they weren't even given the information mm-hmm. about the possible side effects. And anyone who mentioned the possible got side effects got shut down yeah. on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. It's crazy. So, so there was no way they could have learned that oh yeah this this could actually kill my 12-year-old son and covid highly unlikely to kill. Yeah, the kids. number of people like 5 to 12 that it's killed is like in the low hundreds. Like yeah. 200, 300 something like that over the last Well since covid-19 yeah. yeah, happened. All right, so we but we're talking to pr- about- to, But to to protect people from that, these kids have to eat their lunches Outdoors. in 40 degree and colder temperatures yeah. in New York City. <laughs> They've been allowed to eat indoors during heavy downpours Mm. this year. So if it's just sprinkling, they're probably being forced to stay outside. Mm -hmm. The Department of Education insisted Wednesday that individual kids retain the option to eat indoors if they choose. Presumably, Mm. it's a bit like a right to speedy trial where, oh, sure, you have the right to a speedy trial if you request it. But if you don't request it, you're not getting one and you have to sort of know that you have that right in the first place, and then you have to know you have to request that right huh. in order to get it. So sure, you can eat inside. We just won't tell you that. So we're, and you have to ask us. So we're expected to believe that these kids are choosing to eat outside? They were never given the option, mm. I'm guessing. They, they say kids have the option, but were the kids ever told that? Mm. Because I can't imagine, like, no, thanks. I'd rather just sit out here in the 40 degrees. They're complaining to their parents. They wouldn't choose to subject themselves to this. Yeah, that's a good point. They just weren't told. And parents... Didn't hear anything about this or didn't even realize that their kids were eating their meals outdoors still. And that's one of the issues with public schools. You don't really know what these places are. You can't be there watching them all the time to find out what they're actually doing to your kids. And if the average conversation with your kid is anything like my sisters with my nephews or my with my today. parents, fine. Yep. And that's it. Standard. That's it has standard. to
2: get really bad. I had that conversation with my parents too.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. It has to get really bad before, like, man, let me tell you what they did.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So you got to imagine how ba- at the how how badly these kids are suffering to actually bring it up. But one parent said, "We've never been mm-hmm. told that about them being allowed the to option. go indoors." Yeah. yeah, and no one else I know has either. Several parents also noted that teachers and administrators are not eating outdoors. Oh, convenient. shocking. The problem is that there is no hard metric for when the kids can go inside. It's just up to the principal. Whatever they decide goes. Hopefully, hopefully, by the way, we're not out here in February. Right. The Department of Education said Wednesday it would remind administrators of its policy to allow parents to have their kids eat inside. Oh, so the parents have to yes, opt Yes, the in. kids can't just request it. The right. parents have to... The fi- kid can't
2: say, oh, I'm freezing to death. <laughs> I think I'd prefer to eat inside with the rest of you administrators.
1: Yes, apparently they'd have to call their parent and get their parent to Mm -hmm. request it from the school. And in order for that chain of events to happen, the the kid would have to know that it's an option or the parent would have to know that it's an option. And that's not happening. Schools and students always have the option to have their meals inside, including if there's inclement weather like rain, high or low temperatures, high winds, and more. Said Department of Education spokesperson Katie O'Hanlon. Thanks to our amazing food service workers, schools can quickly pivot. Amazing, yes, they're clearly doing a good job. Yeah, I
2: mean, ha- have you ever described any lunch ladies as amazing in your
1: entire l- school lunch eating career? No, I, I never knew it. I mean, they they throw your food on yeah. the tray, and you move down to the next one who throws your food on the tray. They are
2: by definition unremarkable, <laughs> you know.
1: There were some things that schools served back when I was... I mean, we were talking about jail food earlier. Some of the school food that I had was pretty good. Yeah, Like the hamburgers they had, they probably weren't real hamburgers, but they... Uh, They weren't that good where I went to. Oh, man, they were where I went to. But eh, Mississippi versus Florida, I guess. (laughs) I mean, they probably weren't real hamburgers, but we didn't have to eat them outside at the very least. That's it for this article. I wish it had gone into more detail about administrators and teachers eating inside. Well,
2: they're not going to tell you about all the, you know, the fact they get better food or that they're, you know, ordering out McDonald's or something. You know, they, they're they ordering pizzas from Pizza Hut because, you know, the kids aren't around to see it.
1: Well, most so. of the teachers, I knew you brought their meals from home anyway. Yeah. Or at least they did at my school. I can't imagine. I mean, DoorDash is a thing now, so I guess they could just, hey, mm-hmm. bring me some McDonald's. But, I mean... I guess kids could do that, too, but they just have to mm, eat it outside. I doubt they're going to allow kids to have care packages come in from the outside. I wouldn't want to. If I, if I was running a school, I mean, can you imagine? Just, here's lunchtime. It's <laughs> 60,000 DoorDash drivers up here. It's like, we need to find this yeah, particular like kid. It. Yeah, good luck, dude. Hey, I'll tell you what. They're outside somewhere. I'm right. sure of that. Go find them. <laughs> it's 40 degrees out there, but they're outside. Yeah, so the administration acting like,
2: oh, well, you guys didn't know that your kids could just come inside. Hey, you, you, we didn't we tell you that? Oh, we forgot to send the memo home. Well, sorry about that. What are you going to do? Stop paying?
1: Stop paying your taxes? Yeah, there isn't a lot that they can do. I mean, other than take their kids out of public schools, which seems to me like it would be the ideal solution at this point. Not only like I
2: said, it, it, imagine
1: having your kids in government school. I mean, what I are can't, you thinking? I, I wouldn't even have kids, but if I did, the last place I would send them would be a public school. Yeah. I mean, they put your kids out there in 40-degree weather to eat their That's lunch, and they, they don't care. tell you. That's how much they care about them. What's well, they don't insane. want them to get COVID. It's
2: ridiculous. <laughs> uh, if you yeah, if you care about your kids, get them out of school. Are you hearing my mic cut out, by the yeah, way? Yeah, it is cutting out. Wonderful. All right, good thing we're out of time here tonight. <laughs> See you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, over at freetalklive.com. We hope to see you there. Forkfest.party